So I wanted to take a little bit of time for questions about the practice, and then we'll take the rest of class after that to meditate. So we've done some sitting, we've done some walking. You've had some time to kind of be with your mind. And um, yeah, it's just a time to kind of ask about kind of what you've been seeing, what you've been through, and getting some strategies to deepen that. Um, and I'm also recording this, so don't say anything that you don't want to hear yourself saying later. <laughs> I could stop it if it makes you feel more comfortable. So we'll just go around and if you have something then you can ask and if not you can maybe just drop in with where you're at right now things. So we'll do it like that. Um, the first meditation when you run the bells um, I mean, it kind of came to me through tradition, but I find that the way that these bells work, it kind of takes you from wherever you are. The sound kind of comes into this place, and then it slowly fades away. And I feel that almost it takes the mind and then just slowly brings the mind into silence. So it's just kind of like a tool, almost, that the mind kind of attaches to that sound, and then that as that sound slowly slips away into silence, the mind kind of goes down there with it. So, and I also find that vibrations are, yeah. Yeah, um, sometimes when I give healings, I also do like wishing exhalation noises. Yeah, that, I noticed that. That wasn't as disruptive. But I, f yeah. I feel this feeling sometimes of breaking, taking people wherever they're at and just breaking through it, shocking them out of it. Um, I found that to also be a helpful tool. I wouldn't say that my goal with this bell, like a lot of people really like the sound, you know, I'm not, I'm not ringing that to shock you. Um, sure, but, um, but I also wouldn't say that that's a negative thing, so to say, if, if nothing else, um, just from what you've described specifically, it sounds actually like great practice. 
um, especially if you feel like you know where you want to go with the meditation or what you're used to or what feels good and then it breaks you out of that and A, it calls into question um, how stable is this place that you're actually coming into if that's what breaks you out of it that quickly and also do you attach any stories or emotions to that um, for instance if I'm sitting here and somebody sneezes you know it's like the shocking like, oh, like there's a sound and are we able just to are we just right back in the meditation once that sound passes or do we keep thinking about it and building around it so it's just good practice also like that um, because again the world will always keep going around us and within us so to learn how to just be it in an equanimous equanimous state with whatever's coming. Um, it's great practice too. But I will practice ringing the bell more gently next time. If that's part of it. So this is for monks, for monastics. So yeah, this is the traditional way. Um, so from the from the Buddha, you know, from the time of the Buddha, and there was also many mendicants in India around at this time anyway that that did this. That would beg, but um, the way that monks did it is they, you know, said, "Listen, we're we're laying down our robes, we're giving away our money, we're shaving our heads, we're kind of disconnecting from the world in that sense." Um, but that being said, we also still need to survive to continue practicing. So it kind of became a, um, you know, a way to, okay, so listen, we're going to, we have these bowls <laughs> and we're going to walk and receive food as beggars. And that's what's going to sustain us to keep practicing. But also that's a practice within itself because A, you never know if you're going to get food or how much you're going to get. You have to go back into the town that you'd rather kind of just not be in. Um, but on top of that, it also became the way for people to receive teachings from the monks that the monks would go and offer food and then people would ask questions. So it's almost, that was the kind of give and take between the lay community and the monastics is that the monastics would spend their time practicing and the lay community would be working and just doing you know, normal things. Um, the monks would be accumulating you know, information, wisdom, insights and the lay community was accumulating material things and then when they would meet the monks would say you know here's the wisdom that I got and the lay people would say here's the food that I got so it was kind of just a way to like a symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. I guess I would say in the community <laughs> well, like I said earlier, this is my first time. Sure. I feel good. And uh, uh, I, I, it feels good not to be a, uh, not to be thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
yeah. and being able to share this with my wife. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, great. Yeah, it's been great. Just so relaxing and calming. Just great day. Last night was wonderful too. Mm. Just feels very peaceful. A little pocket of gratitude and contentment over here. I like that. Okay, good. I loved the um, sitting meditation. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I've ever sat in meditation where it aligned with a relaxation technique mm-hmm. where you presented it. And that was a godsend for me because um, it made me realize that I don't really relax when I meditate. You know, really, my body isn't relaxed. It's more stiff unless I'm lying down. Mm. So that was um, that was amazing to me. I really loved it. I had trouble with the walking meditation. My head was everywhere. Mm. I think I was trying to wonder if I was going to fall down, maybe because I don't usually walk that slowly. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but it's something I I really like to practice. Right. I, I have tried it before, but not as slow. So yeah. it's a reminder to slow down, but I thought it was great, and I, I love the chimes. Sometimes for me, it brings me back, rather than takes me away, so. Right. Okay, great, thank you. I have lots of questions. Yeah, sure. When you were talking about, um, bring, you know, something about fingertips disappearing, or feeling your fingertips, you mm-hmm. spoke about, and I realized that I didn't feel anything except for the sleeve right here on my arm on both sides. Mm. The rest of me was gone already, mm. and that happens. Um, and it feels like my body's pulsating. Mm. And I don't know what that, you know, it's like my heartbeat is pulsating my body. Mm. Um, and I don't know if that is just part of the meditation, or that's just how I am. I don't know. And, um, the dark void, which is really beautiful, is so peaceful. There's nothing, there's just nothing. It's like a million stars and darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see grandfather walk through the room, and that's where the weirdness comes in for me. Mm-hmm. Things always, there's always something. Mm-hmm. I mean, just boom, happens like that. Somebody walked through the room, not a body. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then that was gone. So, questions or no? So, the black void, is that, is that part of meditation? You know, with, um, is that the achieve, what, what we would try to achieve to reach is that place where there's, so, there's just nothing. There's no sense of body. There's, it's just like drifting out in the universe. It's the only thing I can compare it to. And is that, mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder if I have an overactive imagination Mm. or if that's just how it is in meditation. Mm. I have no complaints. It's very peaceful and beautiful. But I don't want to be doing an active imagination thing when I should be meditating, you see? Mm. Wow. I don't really talk about shoulds and shouldn'ts in meditation. But shoulds and shouldn'ts. I would say that the state that you're talking about is like the place where you wipe all the apps off of your phone. 
And now we'd be breaking through that crust and actually getting into the deep stuff. So it's, it's a great place to be. And then it's about how to refine the focus to really drop in. And it gets intense and piercing when you can do that. Um, and the way to do that is the mechanics of the mind. The mind, if there's something unpleasant, the mind will be fighting against it. If there's something pleasant, the mind will go at it. Um, you know, it's almost like if you ever watched like the Lord of the Rings movies or you have, like read the books or something, you know, it's like he puts on this ring and then there's this eye that suddenly, and it like sees him and then all of the, the bad guys, they come in and they congregate on that spot. And it's, when the mind finds something pleasant, suddenly the awareness it latches onto that and the mind collects, concentrates, right? This word concentration. When there's something pleasant, the mind concentrates around it. And this is our best friend in meditation. Because what separates the application process of meditation, that you're sitting here kind of applying the mind, working on getting the mind to be present, and the sustained meditation where it happens effortlessly and kind of goes off on its own volition, that bridge is when you start to feel peaceful, you start to feel happy, and the mind becomes engaged with that peace. The mind likes that peace, and it wants that peace, and it wants more of that peace. And it starts to kind of go deeper into that piece. It's like, wow, this feels good. And it goes deeper. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And it creates a positive feedback loop. So the more that you can kind of feel that peacefulness, the more the presence of the mind collects into that peacefulness. And the more the presence of the mind collects, the more peaceful you'll become. And the more peaceful you become, the more the mind wants it. And that's eventually what takes the mind into this kind of exponential um, this, the really deep places of meditation called the jhanas in Buddhism. This is when the mind totally unifies on itself and everything completely drops away. And, um, and that's that, that, that entry point is actually through that pleasant sensation. Um, so once we've closed all the programs down, once we're more relaxed and we're just in that black, velvety, nice, peaceful feeling, then to really feel that peace, merge that feeling of peace with the breath. Yeah? Merge it with a physical place. Give it a place. Feel the breath. Merge breath with peace. So feel the breath as peaceful. Feel the breath as relaxing. And then what's going to happen is that that peace will start to get more and more refined. Achimbram calls it shining the breath. It's almost like you're making the breath more shiny, more beautiful. The beautiful breath, right? And then eventually the mind just can't help it and it just sinks into that. And that's really when the practice takes off. Can I merge it with the heartbeat instead of the breath? Totally unaware of the breath, but I'm aware of the pulsating. Mm -hmm. Sure. Does that work? Yep. Try. Try. I'll get back to you on that. Yeah. Try that. Sometimes I also just smile. That's another way in. Is I'll just sit. Yes. And I'll smile, and it feels good to smile. The cheeks feel nice. Like you guys are talking about, you're feeling like gratitude and peace, yeah? Feel that gratitude and peace and really just be with that. This is so nice to sit here. This is so nice, relaxing. 
Mm, it's so nice. And the more that it's just peaceful, the more the mind just starts to fill with that peace and gratitude. And it's like it pushes everything else away. It's like the mind just fills with peace and gratitude. And it's the same kind of thing, right? Is that it just fills with that, fills with that, fills with that. And then it starts to take that deep. And yeah. Yeah, try. Thank you. Sure. Um, well, thank you for your guidance. Mm. Um, I could feel like um, those moments of peace and presence, but then my mind, but it felt like me being there in that peaceful space. I don't know how mm. to uh, explain it, but then as if, you know, with ADD, like my mind was trying to fish me out mm. of that, oh, a seagull, yeah. you that? Yeah. oh, like a car or whatever, a breathing mm. or something. Mm. And I could really say, I'm not interested, I see you mm. trying to call me. Mm. And, um, but that peaceful, it only lasts, like, I don't know, the time, like, I, I can quantify that time. But sure. It comes and goes. Yes. Comes and goes. Mm. Am I on the right track? Is it eventually good? Is it me? Is it my mind? Is the peaceful side of me my heart? Mm. I'm confused on all the terminology. I know it doesn't really matter, but um, it feels good mm. <laughs> that that I see it as an orange space. I see a color, but if I had to name it literally, that color for me is like an orange, warm place. Mm. Um, and then my humanness trying to call me back into yeah. material. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, everybody in this room is on the right track. Mm. You are all, everyone, we are all on the right track. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, this is exactly the experience um, that a lot of people have. They start to drop, get more peaceful, something comes in, mm -hmm. right? A person walks across the, you know, something, something things come in, yeah? Um, and that's the thing, when we were in the monastery, I said this during the last class, I think, that we were next to a, a train tracks. So we'd be sitting in meditation and a train would go by, you know, and very often, you know, because the monks were on one side, the nuns were on the side closer to the, the windows, there would always be a nun that would stand up and go to close the windows. And in my head, I would always say, oh, she's so stupid. Um, because by the time she got up to close the windows, the train had already passed. And that's like what we often do is that we're reacting to the echo of something. Um, and it's the same thing. We'll sit in meditation and a thought will come or our mind will go off. And then, we'll, and then we'll start reacting to that echo. Oh, I just thought, oh man, what am I doing? It's like, no, I'm judging my judgments of me judging my mm -hmm. judgment. You know, it kind of just goes on. Mm -hmm. So, or it's like what we're saying about the bell and things like this. Or, you know, the practice, it starts to come into, unfortunately, we have these senses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Buddha said, it's like you're a cow without the skin. Mm -hmm. So everything that comes and pinges upon your senses, you feel it. Everything that touches your body, you feel it. All the sounds, you hear it. Yeah? Unfortunately, our senses are always active and turned on. And what this practice is about on the sensory level 
is to start allowing that to come and to go all by itself. That train comes and goes and the mind just stays. Maybe as it comes, the mind goes to meet it, right? Because you hear it, the seagull, I heard the seagulls too, right? Mm -hmm. I sat here, there was this space, the seagulls came in, my mind heard seagulls, the seagulls left and my mind just came right back. That was it. No more thoughts, no more story, just there was a noise, so the mind goes to the noise and the mind comes back, stays even. Can you, do you do the same with emotions? If emotions pop in, like worry or fear, and you're just acknowledging and just pause them? Or... You know, it's like yes and no. Mm -hmm. Once you start training it with senses, mm -hmm. then you're building up a, a little bit of momentum, mm -hmm. then it, you can do that with thoughts and emotions. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of my practice at the monastery, I had to deal with my emotions. Mm -hmm. It was a, like, when I was on the retreat, I went on a three-month silent retreat. I cried every single day for the first month of it. Every single day I cried. Because I started having to deal with the things that happened and emotions and really looking at them and working at them. And, you know, there's some things we can let go of, right? Like you heard the seagull fly by mm -hmm. and then you could like let go of it, okay. Um, if I walked around while you were meditating and I like slapped you in the face, you'd be pissed, you know, and it wouldn't be like, and I'd say, oh, just let it go. You'd say, <laughs> you would say, how about I slap you back and then I can let it go. Yeah. And there's a, a reality to that is that there's some things that we can just let go of. And there's some things that we need to do something to be able to let go of that. Um, sometimes, you know, we need to say I'm sorry to somebody mm -hmm. or say like you should, you know, I demand an apology from you mm -hmm. or to say something's not right or to speak out, set boundaries, change something in our life, mm -hmm. resolve something. Um, meditation, you can't meditate all your problems away, mm -hmm. I guess is another way to say it. Mm -hmm. So there's some things that we actually have to actively deal with in our lives and that will feed the meditation because now you're starting to resolve more energies. So when you sit to meditate, you have more available energy to use for the meditation. Um, in any given meditation, like right now, if you're meditating and a feeling comes up, you can choose, what is this about right now for me? Is this meditation right now about just getting deeper, in which case something would come up and you would say like, thank you for showing yourself, I'll deal with you later. I promise, I'll deal with you later. Thank you for coming, you know. Or something coming up and you're just saying, yeah, like, welcome. Nice to see you. You know, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to do anything about you. You know, I, I love you. And sometimes that's even enough. Um, you know, when I was sick driving to the hospital and I just started saying to myself, um, you know, I'm my body was panicking, my mind was panicking, and I just said, you know, what can I do in this situation? And I said, try loving it, you know. Try loving the weakness in your body. Try loving, yeah, there's nothing else to do in this moment. Um, there was a story of a, a Russian cosmonaut, I believe. He was out in space and it was, you know, like one of these solo missions. Mm -hmm. And he had like, I don't know what, like some weeks. And there was something in the spaceship that was like loose or ticking or clicking. So just as he was flying, it was just like, and he's just like in this thing and he's starting to freak out a little bit because he's in space, there's nothing, there's nowhere to go and it's just this thing that's just making this ticking noise or clicking noise and he can't, and it's always there, there's no, it's in space, there's no other noise except for this thing. And he eventually came to this realization, he said, 
the only way for me to keep my sanity, I'm going to have to make love to this noise. I'm going to have to really dance with it and be a part of it. And it's kind of like that, um, that very often the only problem with something is that we don't want it or we want it to be another way. So whatever feelings come up, um, fear comes up. Thank you. That fear is trying to protect me. Insecurity. Thank you. Doubt. Oh, you want to make sure we're in the right way. Thank you. Yeah. All of your feelings, look at them like, oh, you're trying to help me. Thank you. I'm going to meditate now. I'm going to relax right now. Thank you for coming. I'll take it from here. Yeah? Something like this. Thank you. Yeah? Okay. Um, I guess I like the whole, um, I love when I'm at this place where when I meditate, I see the things coming and sometimes I forget and then I come to this place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's you. Thank you. You know, I'm in this Mm -hmm. place. And I love going into this space behind the thinking. It's Mm -hmm. a really nice place. Yes. And I feel like, oh, this is, I like to play with it right now. I don't know why I'm playing with things at the moment. Now, what comes in for me here is, because at home I sit on the couch and I have support. Mm. And I knew that when I come, because I've done it before, that I'm going to get pain. And mm. I got so much pain in my back. And I'm like, yes, thank you, pain. Thank mm. you, pain. I want to punch you right now. But this is more on a physical level that I'm dealing with. It was the same when I was walking as well. Mm. I guess my mind is, I'm getting in a good place. I wouldn't say I'm all wherever, but I'm getting to the place where I see everything passing, but my body is just really, and I can't even, at home on the couch, I can, my legs cannot be still, but I have to do this. And, yeah. I, and I notice it, and I watch yeah. myself, yeah. and I'm like, what is it? Right. That's where I am. Yeah. So, if you sat down to meditate, and you suddenly realized that you were sitting on a tack, yeah, like a little pin. Yeah. Um, and then you said to yourself, oh, just let it go. Okay? Uh, that would be stupid. Yeah? So if there is something that you can do, do it. Yeah? If you need to adjust, adjust. If you I need, need to, to stretch. If you need to stretch, stretch. All the way down. Can I do that? So this is the whole thing about taking ourselves too seriously. So when I'm sitting and meditating and I just suddenly notice that there's something in my back, I'll just sit up and I'll stretch and I'll kind of move around and I'll be like, okay, and then I'll go back into it. Why not? There's no rules. There's nobody sitting there judging me except me judging myself, you know? There's nobody saying what you can and can't do except this frame that we're putting on ourselves. Um, If you need to lean, if you need to lie down, whatever you need to do, you are a fully autonomous being that can do it. There's no rules. However, um, when I was on long-term retreat, doing lots of sitting, when I was sitting, you know, like 10 hours a day or something, um, it becomes painful, and the body freaks out and wants to do anything but sit there, and it wants to itch and scratch and move and this. And I would move, and I'd adjust my legs, and adjust them again, and put one leg behind, and put one leg behind, and sit on my knees, and sit there. And there would come a point where I would just kind of be so exasperated that there's nothing that I can do to become comfortable, then I said to myself, there is no way to become comfortable, so now I can really let it go because I've exhausted all of my options. And there's that truth that because we have bodies, to get something called 100% comfort, it's very rare. It's very rare. 
So there also comes that point where you have to call yourself out on it and say, Romy, there is no such thing as comfort right now. I could lay down, I could sit, I could do whatever. It's not going to help. So now I can let it go. And that's kind of that middle way. That if there is something you can do, of course do it. Love yourself, take care of yourself. If you have leg pain and you're sitting there with leg pain the whole time, what are you doing? That's not meditation. What are you doing? Unless that's what you want to do a meditation on pain, which is fine. But, you know, if your leg hurts, move your leg and then keep meditating, you know? But if you move your leg and then you have to move your other leg and then you have to, and then you have to stretch and then, you, and then you want to look at the paintings wrong and then you want to... There comes the point where you're like, now I'm actually just feeding my mind. Now I'm just feeding that cycle of movement. I think that's what I Well, when you said the whole thing about itching, I, yeah. I knew that's what you were doing. So there comes that point where you have to just give up and say, it's never going to be there. I might get really angry. I give up. Good. Good. Very good. Very angry. Get really angry. And then look at that anger and see why, yeah. why is anger my response when I feel stuck? Why do I feel angry when I can't move? Yeah. What's under that anger? Yeah. It's helplessness. It's fear. Yeah. What is going on? Sadness. Why? Anger is a defense. What's going on? Drop in. Um, this great teacher, Achan Chah, Thai forest monk lived in the jungles, sat in tiger footprints to face his fear of death and all of this, had malaria, you know, and he said, um, unless you've cried while meditating, you haven't begun to practice. Yeah. That's the point, is that you challenge yourself eventually. It's a lot about peace, a lot about nice relaxation, gratitude, but life is not always going to be peaceful and stuff's going to come up and you have to start, it's like grinding that stuff away. And you're going to have emotional responses, but slowly, also, you become softer. You become more understanding, more open. Yeah? You, you stop becoming afraid of anything. Because any feeling that comes, you're like, go ahead, feeling, kill me. I dare you. Try it. Itchy feeling on my leg. Okay, kill me. Go ahead. Yeah. And you start to become fearless because you realize... The world, it's just a reflection of your mind. Everything you experience is just going to be your experience. And you'll start to realize that I can get through whatever comes. And then there's really nothing to worry about anymore. And that's part of the process, too. Yeah. Warrior. Good. Hi. I'm very grateful to be here. I'm happy that someone gifted it. Came to find balance and be calm, calm the thoughts, and mm. challenge myself to see if I could sit still mm. for that amount of time. Mm. I felt as you did with the, the chimes, that I found them disruptive, but then I actually looked and said, Well, why? Mm. Because I had an expectation of how I felt they should sound, which is ego, so I pushed it aside mm. and I treated it as like the seagulls, it's just a sound and, and push it aside and they, they turned in, the bells became like um, like uh, fireworks, like sprinkling mm. out and down. Good. And it, it just calm, try not to, I didn't have a lot of questions, I found I was able to uh, get into that place for the sitting meditation, uh, the walking I was all over the place and worry about like am I walking too slow and, and start judging mm -hmm. and I found it difficult to get out of that and then when I did get back in I would hit like a creak in the floor and want to giggle so 
that wasn't where I wanted to be, but I, I think if um, it was in a larger space, I would have been fine with that. Sure. So what I'm, what I'm hearing, it's a lot about you working with expectations. Mm -hmm. Realizing that you have a certain expectations of how you want things to be or what you think things should be. And then when they're not, that makes you then react emotionally, whether with like not wanting it or like laughing, like, oh my God, that was silly. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, what did I just do? Mm -hmm. and, and this is like a training ground, you know? So it's like if you watch, if you've seen that mechanism come up in a couple different ways in this hour we've been together, imagine what happens in your daily life. Imagine how often that wall of expectations comes up and you act and react and how often you believe it and you maybe get mad or you blame things or you think that something's wrong with you or you blame yourself. How often that you actually believe those expectations instead of just saying, oh, those are expectations, I know those. Pfft, not interested, you know? Close the app. Yeah, close the app, very good. Yeah, expectations app is why. Mm -hmm.